Hello everybody and welcome to the Tokyo Lens Podcast. As always, if you're a regular listener, welcome back. Today I want to talk about one of the best things you can do in Japan, if you can, while you're here. But before we get into that, I want to address the fact that yes, it has been well over a month since the last time I uploaded a podcast. Two seconds to address that. I'd say the biggest reason for it has simply just been living life. Between video projects that I have been doing for different corporate sources and shoots, travel to Italy, and everything of the sort. I also had family here. After Alexander left, I had my aunt and my cousin and my parents come for a month. But the big plus to that is in that month, we just spent the entire time exploring and doing things and living life. I put down the camera and it gave me a chance to get a bit of a new perspective and just really travel Tokyo, which is something that I haven't done in some time. So today, there's one really specific thing that I want to be sharing with you guys in terms of something you can and definitely should do in Tokyo. But I'm actually going to share like a short list of things that we did that I would really, really recommend for you. Now, one of the tiny ones that I'd really recommend, especially if you're into things like photography or if you really want to capture those memories while you're in Japan, I'm going to jump right in and say, if you watch some of my recent videos, you'll notice that I've been hanging out a lot with my friend Lucas. Lucas runs a company called iExplore and they do these photo adventures. Now, when Lucas started this company, I was actually really interested in the concept because his entire goal is to take that trip that you've got to Japan and make it even better. You know, when people get married, they hire a wedding photographer to take beautiful pictures and capture that memory. But when we do something huge like a trip to Japan, nowadays we just take our phones or our camera and we just go and shoot. Nine times out of ten, we get amazing memories, but we always find ourselves wishing we'd gotten just a little more, and that's where Lucas's photo adventures come in. Now, obviously, there's two ways you can go about this. If a photo adventure is something that you're into, definitely go out and do it. They are so much fun. But also, in the videos that I've done with Lucas, he's left a lot of tips in there. Obviously, not all the tips that are in the photo adventures, but ones that will help you capture those memories in Japan even better. And speaking of memories, let's take a look at some of the things that I definitely recommend. So while my little brother was in Japan for about five weeks, one of the things that we spent a lot of time on was shopping in Akihabara. And this was an eye-opening experience for me because we all know that Akihabara is a huge place full of shopping for games, anime, and the likes. But I was blown away as so many of these stores, you don't think to go up to the second, third, fourth, fifth floor, but a lot of these shops, you go in and from the outside, it looks like this tiny shop. But it's got six, seven, eight floors, and some of them, Every single floor is completely different content. When I was young, I had a slight obsession with yo-yos. I love yo-yos and stuff like that. And when we got into one of these shops, I think fourth or fifth floor, there was an entire shop just for yo-yos and vintage yo-yos. So that, that's an obvious one, Akihabara. Moving on to something that's just a little less obvious. While my parents were here, 
we went out to these gardens called the Hamarikyu Gardens. Now these gardens are right in Tokyo. They're sandwiched right in the middle of like Tsukiji and Shinbashi area with, uh, ooh, if I could only remember the name, Hamamatsucho over on the other side. And right in the middle, right by Tokyo Bay, are these gardens called Hamarikyu Gardens. They're pretty cheap to get in. But one of the things that I would recommend while doing this is, is the boats. And I'll talk about that in a second. The thing that really amazed me about going out to the Hamarikyu Gardens is that it was quiet. There were almost no people. It was a busy day in Tokyo. I believe we went out on a weekend. But the gardens were quiet, peaceful, and nice. It's a nice Japanese garden. There's this beautiful juxtaposition gap that is created between the traditional gardens, bridges, and tea houses and seeing the city and Tokyo Tower and everything in the background. It has easy access and I enjoyed it so much that the vlog that I will be releasing this week, not only will I be introducing you to the family of Tokyo Lens, my parents, yay, but I will be showing you the Hamarikyu Gardens in that video because it was an incredible experience. That's one thing I would recommend. But getting on to what I was talking about related to that, the boat rides. Now, I've typically only taken the boat from Asakusa to Odaiba and vice versa, but Tokyo Cruise, for example, has a range of boat rides, some which include like dinner tours. Sometimes when there's fireworks, there are boats that'll take you out to enjoy the fireworks right on the river. There are a range of boat tours that you can check out. Again, still not the main point. We are getting there. There's just one or two more I want to share with you. And talking about boats and transportation and getting around, there's something that I feel too few people do when they come out to Tokyo and this one is really big and it's something that I believe now that we have technology and modern day little Wi-Fi routers and SIM cards that we can you know feel safe to get lost within the city I recommend 100% if you have the opportunity rent a bicycle and just explore Tokyo via bicycle obviously everybody enjoys walking around Tokyo but jumping on a bicycle and exploring you can cover more ground in a much faster time see so much more explore the back hidden streets find so you know a lot of the things that i share on tokyo tuesdays these hidden little spots and little corners in the background shops and everything most of it was found via bicycle or via just walking around there are places for example like in asakusa near asakusa rocks where you can go underground and i think you can rent a bicycle for 250 yen or 300 yen that's two to three dollars for a bicycle rental for the day it is definitely worth it now one that i've talked about before and this will be the last one before i get into the main one for today is going and checking out live shamisen at a restaurant like Kiko. I definitely have a video up on the channel called Tokyo's Best Restaurant where I talk about this and I've recommended shamisen a hundred times over but having the chance to hear shamisen played live is a borderline, for me anyway, life-changing experience. The first time I heard shamisen was a Yoshida Brothers CD that a friend had given to me. It was incredible. I really enjoyed it but it wasn't until I had the opportunity to sit face to face with a shamisen player and hear it played live that it really, really changed my view on the entire thing and opened up my mind to an entire new world 
of music and so much more. There's something about the percussive nature of the shamisen that can only really be felt and heard live. So if you have the opportunity to listen to a live shamisen performance, go to a live show, or even visit the restaurant Kiko that I've recommended in my videos, I highly recommend that you check that out. Now getting into the one that I probably enjoyed the most during my parents' visit here. While my parents were here, my aunt decided she was going to take my dad and my mom out to the Imperial Palace just to walk around for a day. My cousin said, hey, you know, I've got extra sumo tickets for this one day. I've only got two, so why don't two of you take the tickets and go? My mom wasn't super interested in sumo. She was really interested in the idea of the gardens. So she said, Norm, you and dad go take the tickets go enjoy sumo. Now sumo is one that I 100% recommend over and over and over and I will get into that in a little bit but this was probably my 10th or 15th time to go and watch a sumo performance. I'll share a little bit of stories with you guys in a bit but I want to get into sumo itself. So my dad and I went out, we got chair seats up on the second level and just had an amazing experience. So first addressing the first thing that would come to mind for most people is the cost of sumo. If you get the box seats, it can cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars, but you don't need the box seats. In fact, I was just looking online right before I started recording this podcast. And I found that right now, for example, the Fukuoka Grand, the Fukuoka Grand Tournament has chair seats in chair seat section C, which obviously is the nosebleeds, for as low as 2,300 yen. That's like 20 bucks for sumo tickets. They have had times in the past where when tickets aren't sold out, they have like a special thing on the day where you can buy unsold tickets for a fraction of the price as well. The nosebleed seats are not all that far and they're definitely good enough to enjoy sumo. And I'm going to get into something that I did a couple years back. So a few years back, there was a bit of a controversy here in Japan when it came to sumo. Now, this opened up a great opportunity because as an apology to the public and to refresh everybody's interest in sumo, what the Sumo Association did is provided a season of free sumo. Now, I just happened to have a lot of my days off line up during that time and found myself going to sumo almost every single day. The story attached to this that I absolutely love is around the third or fourth day. I found a position that I loved. I kept sitting in these seats and there were these older gentlemen who were sitting right near me. One of the guys turned to me and he's like, you're coming very often. I said, yes, I, I'm really enjoying it. And he said, well, let me tell you something. I actually have box seats down below, but my back can't handle sitting in those. So I sit up in these seats until things get too busy. I won't be around tomorrow or the next couple of days. So if you're interested, I could just give you my box seat tickets and you could enjoy sumo up close and personal. This was an incredible opportunity that obviously I wasn't going to be turning down. So I said yes, I got those tickets, I thanked him, and I found myself sitting the next day in one of the first five rows face to face with sumo. It was an incredible experience. But what made it even more amazing is that the woman in the box next to me 
started talking to me at the end of the first day. We, you know, standard stuff. Where are you from? How are you finding Japan? Are you enjoying sumo? But then, then the moment of, I, I don't even have words for it. The, the, the magical moment, we'll call it, came when she said that she is the kimono designer for the sumo, especially for the Yokozuna, the top level highest sumo. And she said that the current Yokozuna at the time, Hakuho, she had one or two small pieces of fabric from his kimono left over, and that if I would be there the next day or the day after, she'd be more than glad to make it into a bag or something and bring it for me. I almost didn't believe my ears. I thanked her. The next day, I prepped a whole bunch of snacks and gifts and everything like that, put them into a bag, went, and she wasn't there. I had one more day of tickets left. I crossed my fingers and I went on that third day. And on that third day, she showed up in the evening for the last section of the sumo tournament. And in hand, she had a bag made out of Hakuho's kimono fabric and shared inside of it some old banzuke, which are the like um, the, the tournament sheets and some other stuff. We exchanged our gifts to each other. And to this day, sitting right in my living room behind a cabinet door, I have this bag made out of the last piece of Hakuho's kimono fabric. Now, obviously, everybody's sumo experience will differ. You might not meet the same people, obviously, but I guarantee you that you will have an incredible time. But it's about how to enjoy the sumo. A lot of people will go in the evening around 4 or 5 p.m. because this is when the main matches begin but personally i feel that this is a waste the opportunity to go right from the morning and watch the junior matches maybe sneak in a bit of food and whatnot gives you the chance to see more matches in a much different way you see when you get into the final matches of the day there's a great deal of time between each match upwards of sometimes five to ten minutes between the matches and then the match is over very quick and you're waiting for the next match but in the junior leagues, especially the lowest rank, it is just match after match after match after match. And to see the juxtaposition, again, I'm, I'm using that word a lot lately, but the gap between the younger, smaller sumo and the older ones is just amazing to see. And it gives you a different perspective on the sport itself. Now, in the middle of that, I like to, if you're there the whole day, I love to jump out for lunch, go to one of the local restaurants and enjoy some food. But if someone, you know, if you buy sumo tickets online and they're like, oh, the main show starts at four or five, do not wait until the evening to go. Go and make a day of it and enjoy an entire day of sumo. I promise you, you will not regret it. If you have the slightest interest in sumo at all, it's something that I would recommend quite possibly above all other things. So that is the main content of today's podcast. I just really wanted to get that sumo recommendation out and share some of the other stuff. A lot of it is going to be showing up in the vlogs that are going to be popping up this week. Luckily, I should have a lot more time for the YouTube channel pretty soon. I just wrapped up a whole slew of corporate suits that has suits, shoots. There's my English. I just wrapped up an entire slew of corporate shoots that has had me quite busy. When you do these more 
non-YouTube like paid jobs, there's a lot of back and forth. You you know plan the content, you prep it, you shoot it, you send it to them for checking. They give you approval, you put it together, they reject it. And there was a very interesting section about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, where I had sent forward ten pieces of content. I thought I was done. I breathed a huge sigh of relief. And client got back to me and was like, I will take two of these. We need you to make major changes to the other eight. And the work began once again. But that is the fun and you know that's that that's what content creation, especially for client work, is all about. I don't know how I sidebarred this large into client work. I feel a large part of me is just really glad to be back at the podcast. I feel along with this, I, I, I do owe a bit of an apology for leaving a good month and a week, five weeks at least, since the last podcast episode. Um, but one thing that I know is, you know, you guys are very patient and kind people. So thank you so much for your understanding and that more regular podcast episodes will be coming up. So hold tight. As always, it would mean the world to me if you would jump on to, you know, Apple Podcasts or Google, leave a rating and a review, hop on to Twitter, leave me your feedback, any of that. And I guess I will see you guys over on the YouTube channel. I think roughly within the next 24 hours or so, there's a new video going up on the channel. So I will see you guys there. And I hope that you guys have a wonderful day. See you guys again real soon. Bye, guys.